I want to invite you this morning to take your the Bibles, um, if you have one, uh, take it to Romans chapter 1. If you don't, again, there are Bibles in the racks in front of you. Um, we're going to be looking at the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, um, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 1. So for, you know, every once in a while it's just super easy to find where I'm speaking from, and this time is one, just go to the end um, and then find chapter 1 of that last book. Um, but we're going to be in chapter one. I do want to. I want to mention a couple things that are going on. Just things that people have mentioned to me that you can be in prayer about. Uh, one of them is uh, one of them is uh, Jerry Farron, who is still um, in uh, the in rehab, nursing care, um, and uh, she is she's still there. She'll be there for probably another month or so. Um, and uh, we had sent out. We had. Put in the bulletin last week her mailing address. We put it in emails for a couple weeks before that. But <coughs> excuse me, if you want to send Jerry a card or something, um, we want to make sure that we can let her know that. If you don't have her address, I can get it to you. Um, one of the elders can grab it off their email and and, and give it to you. Uh, the other thing is uh, Ron Jones, um, our our usual guitar player, um, has been at CMC since Monday, uh, Catholic Medical Center. Um, looks like he's going to be there for a few more days. He has a pulmonary embolism. Um, which means there's a blood clot um, in the main artery of his lung. Um, that is, that's a, a major, major concern for Ron. He's got a lot of other medical issues. Um, so Ron is in room D203. Um, we didn't get that out on the email this week or in the bulletin. We didn't get it till uh, this weekend. I, I take that back. We didn't get it. I forgot to ask. All right. Um, but uh, so, so, uh, so if we can get that out. If you want to send him a card, uh, I, I'm sure he, he'd welcome visits, but he, he's back and forth between sedation and things like that. You can talk to his older brother, uh, Greg, on whether you, you know, when's a good time to visit him and stuff. Um, he takes real good care of his siblings. And, and, um, but, uh, so just pray for Ron. Uh, this needs to dissolve. There's a blood clot in his leg that needs to dissolve. There are some other concerns that are going on. There's a lot happening. Um, and uh, So just keep him uh, in prayer. Um, and, and lastly, before we go to the scriptures, I wanted to, uh, to go ahead and congratulate one of, uh, one of our own who has mastered a topic. Um, I, just, I, think, I think the term master's degree is just the greatest thing in the world. It's like, ah, I know it all. I have up on, I, well, I don't have it anymore. I used to, for the longest time, I had up on my wall in my office a, a diploma that one of my students gave me called the Master of Obvious Degree. Um, but... Uh, but uh, um, this week, Ashley Lindsay uh, completed her master's degree in speech pathology, right? Um, so, so that's really cool, and uh, you know, she's glad she doesn't have to pay those bills anymore. So uh, we're excited about that, and we know that Courtney picked the school, and I am so surprised that a Lindsay girl picked a college in Florida. I don't know what the draw of it is. Um, but, uh, but that's the way it goes. So Courtney's going to be headed off there when she goes to school and that's, that's cool. And, um, but anyway, so we're excited about getting toward, um, all of this stuff. And we're in this series called the seven, um, looking at the book of revelation and looking specifically at the seven churches of the revelation. Here's what I want to do. We're going to, I'm going to read a passage of scripture. Then I'm just going to spend a little bit of time talking about what's going on it, uh, going on in it. And, uh, and then we're going to, we're going to be challenged to move from there, um, as a church, uh, it's just a, a tremendous uh, passage. So let's go ahead and take a look at the book of Revelation in chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 9, just to review a little bit from last Sunday. Uh, this is written by the Apostle John to seven churches in 
uh, western, what is today Turkey, on the, uh, the Aegean coast of Turkey. Um, and the passage says this, I, John, your brother and companion, suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And on the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I know that looks like Laodicea, but it's a K. Okay? Um, Laodicea. Write to these seven churches. I turned around to see what the see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and among the lampstands, in the middle of the lampstands, in the midst of them, was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire, and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. I'm going to stop right there. I know he says stuff. We're going to come up to that next week. But I want to stop right there. The Apostle John, um, and this is not the message, but this is just a thought for you, but the Apostle John encounters Jesus and he goes through four stages. It says, I did four things. I heard, I turned, I saw, and I fell. All right? Um, and just in, in, if you're ever wondering, um, when God catches your attention reading the Scriptures... This is a good procedure to follow. Turn toward it, you know, put your focus on it, see what God has for you, all right? Um, you, you hear, you turn, you, you see, and you fall. Obey. Whatever it is that God's Word says, you obey it. People often ask me to counsel them. I have a simple counseling method. If you haven't heard this before, it goes like this. What are you doing that's a sin? Okay, stop doing that. Goodbye. Right? This is why I'm not a professional counselor. This is how I deal with things. Um, when God's word encounter, when we encounter God's word, God's word tells us what to do. We should just do it. We should just obey and submit to what God's word has to say. Now, thankful for us, the book of the Revelation, what the book of Revelation is trying to say is not you're all a bunch of big, bad, meanie people who need to get punished. That is not what the book says. The book is a book of encouragement for the church in a time of tension and pain. They're being pulled in all kinds of different directions and they, they are in a, a, a storm. They're in a storm. Um, and I want to take an opportunity here to, to transition a little bit. I want to invite um, Leo. You talked to Debbie, right? <laughs> about talking about the storm? <laughs> she said no? <laughs> Leo, I, I wonder if Leo, if you could just share with the congregation. You can come up here. You can do it from where you are, whatever. Leo, Leo's the only person I know who's actually sailed in the Aegean Sea. Um, he's also, what? Oh, well, Leo, you guys, the two become one. You, you is Leo, and Leo is Deb, and that's kind of scary. No, anyway. Um, but I want to invite, I want to invite Leo and and oh, he's got Deb to come and help. Uh, just share share about uh, an experience they had in the Aegean. And what happened there? Well, 
Do we have any sailors out here? You do. Well, you know that less than 10% of your career will be in heavy weather. Then maybe 30% you'll have fair winds, and then the rest of the time you're praying for, for wind. We were out there, and in the med, it's just absolutely gorgeous. It was just blue, blue, blue water. And the dolphins were swimming on the bow of the boat, and we were heading out. Our goal was to get to uh, Mykonos. Uh, by the time evening came in, of course, El Nino was playing havoc, and it ended up being the worst weather in 20 years. Our first evening, we were at anchor, and winds went from probably 15 knots to 40 to 50 knots. We were at anchor for the first night, and I'm saying, hmm, we need to stay here. But that's how fast things can change and how humbling things can turn, and you can be loaded pockets full of 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 knowledge and stuff from books, but the experience, you know, you can only learn on that day. I mean, the winds were blowing so hard, it would take between 20 minutes, almost sometimes 25 minutes during the course of the night, I would have to get back, tether on, go out and check for chafe on the anchor and stuff like that, because it was blowing. And number one, we really didn't want to move. That was my primary, but we didn't want the anchor to let go. But it's awfully humbling to come from a beautiful picture that we had had that day into the weather that we had. And then we had to continue sailing, and uh, it just got worse. But it, it's incredible. And when you're in the med, a lot of times you don't see a whole lot of stuff besides water. <laughs> You'll see an island, and it's this big, and it will take you a day and some change to get there. Um so I'm thinking as these guys are out there, and you check with the locals because they're the ones that know that's going on. But like I said, it was so un, un it, it just wasn't there. It was the worst weather in 20 years. So you check. They go out fishing. They're there every day. They bring their stuff back. So it just goes to show you how tiny and how small you can really become in a heartbeat. And you know that it, it, they laugh at us at the lake because you can knock on the door while we're sailing there if you're ever in trouble. But when you're in trouble up there, there are two things you have to rely on, your Lord. And you become so scared that two things happen. You freeze and people die. Or you're so scared that you're not frightened anymore, as strange as that might sound to you. But you take over and you start doing stuff. And it shows what kind of character that you're having. And I found that in my wife, which just blew my mind. I mean, Emily asked, are we going to die? That was my daughter. It was just the three of us. And uh, Debbie would come out and just wipe my face and get the stuff, get the salt out of my eyes. At that point, it was so bad that not only was tethered to the boat, but they were staying down below, and I had just roped myself to the stanchions so that I wouldn't fall out of the boat because I was the only one out there. And I figured if it's going down, it's not a big deal anyway because uh, you know what the answer would be. But it's uh, it, it goes to show you when these uh, we hear the stories they're out there fishing and, and these guys are out there every single day. So when these storms come out and they want to put their faith in the Lord, that's all that's there is the faith in the Lord and and you're hoping that you're going to be able to make it and you have the knowledge to be able to pull it off. And, and it surprises me because a lot, a lot of the guys out here will say, well, you know, we're so strong and this and that. And I'll tell you what, you may be strong, but you know we've all been scared. And you do two things. You ask the Lord to put you in the right place, not to panic, and to give you the tools to deal whatever it is you have to deal with. Seven people in a Cacladen race that we're racing died. Uh, big ships were coming in, dismasted. And 11, 11 people in all were, were lost at sea that in that period. But uh, So that's, that's how things can change. And, and it's funny, as I relate to it, I'm thinking to myself, of all the missionaries who have ever gone out and, and died for our Lord. 
think of this for a second now. They're out there and they're saying they're faced with all this stuff and and, and and of course we're we're here and we would do everything for it. But they died for the Lord. Can you imagine a lot of people that you probably know would go like, ah, change my mind. So it's yeah. a big deal. You know, our Lord is great and, and it's it's pretty interesting, but don't change your mind about sailing. We love it, we still are, our boat's <laughs> in the water and we'll go back. Like I say, less than ten percent will scare you like that. But you need to be prepared. And it's the same thing in your faith. You're strong in your faith and strong in your faith, but you know, temptation comes to all of us. And it may just come that ten percent. Others it comes probably more often. But you know what? You have to be prepared to just deal with that and take the time. And as Donald spoke today, you know, hey, we'll give it some time. It'll work. He has good roots. And that's uh, pretty much what we have to say. <laughs> Debbie was going to speak. I'm not going with nothing. <laughs> the way behind us, where We came down a trough, another seven, eight knots coming down. And if you looked up, the waves were there and the waves were there. But you develop a rhythm and that wasn't the problem. The problem would be if you got something starboard to port that struck you by surprise. And that would probably be a little interesting. But again, that's less than 10%. <laughs> Thanks, Leo and Debbie. Um, the reason I wanted to ask them is because they were sailing in the seas that were around the island that the Apostle John was in, uh, was at when he writes this book. Um, and the storms there, uh, they, they're driven, the winds in the Med are so strong that they have names. They actually name these winds. And, and you know which wind is blowing, which storm and which season and all that stuff. So he's got these seven churches in, in this region, in this Aegean region, right? They all are familiar with these winds and this storm. And this is a, this is a culture where trade and ships are the way you live. And, and they didn't have ships that were rigged like Leo and Debs. You had a square sail and, and oars, and you hoped and prayed that you sailed through the 30% of fair weather. I mean, that was all they had. And the Apostle John is on the island of Patmos in the middle of the Aegean Sea, writing to churches that are in a storm, they're in a maelstrom that is pooling in all directions. Um, if you've ever been inside of a storm on the ocean, you know that y- you better, the captain of your ship better know what he's doing because you have no idea. I mean, it is, it is, you have no idea which way you're headed, which way the winds are coming, where the waves are. The wind's blowing from this way, so all the waves should come from that way, right? Negative. They will come from wherever they feel like coming from. It's the ocean. It's big. You're little. I mean, this is just the way it is. And here was the church. Here are these seven churches, the church in Asia Minor, and they are being blown around by this storm. So John is on the island of Patmos. He is there because of the preaching of the Word of God. There's all this stuff that goes on to it. And he is there, and I I picture him. It's a Sunday. He's on the, the, the shore. He's on the seashore. He seems to be from the imagery he uses in the book. When he sees this vision, there is a voice that calls behind him, a loud trumpet, a foghorn calls behind him, and he hears the voice, and he turns around. And what he turns around and sees is a storm. Now, now in English, we don't get it because we, we read it and it's like, and then there was Jesus and he was the seven candlesticks, you know, and you kind of this idea, they're like these seven candlesticks and Jesus is walking through them. 
like, hello, John. Uh, you know, uh, you know, isn't it, isn't it blessed? If it's pleasant. When you actually read what's going on with this image, I mean, he's flashing and shining and gold and white and wind is blowing and, and these candlesticks and he's got stars in his hands and sword in a mouth and that's weird. Um, and there's all of this stuff going on and don't get tied up too much on that imagery, but there's all the, these things that are going on and John has only one way to describe this guy in the middle of this massive storm, candlesticks spinning and, and, and all this stuff going on. He says, he was like the Son of Man. And this is a, a line from Daniel chapter 7. Um, it's a description of the Messiah. And, and in case you haven't figured this out, the person that John that is speaking to John is Jesus. And he turns around in the midst of the maelstrom, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the tempest, in the midst of the chaos, and he sees Jesus in the middle of it, in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Not on the outside of it. Let me show you my seven candlesticks. Which, which candlestick would you like? We get candlestick number one, candlestick number two, candlestick number three. That's not what he's doing. He's in the middle of it. He's got the stars in his hand. He's got a sword. He's shining. His hair is white. All of this imagery that evokes. And he's right in the middle of the storm. Now here's what will happen in the book of the Revelation as you read it. You will discover this. John is constantly turning like this. He's always turning. And you know why he's always turning? He's always turning because he's trying to keep his focus on what's happening with Jesus. All the other stuff that goes on, all the imagery that people dwell on in the book of the Revelation is insignificant in comparison to keeping our focus on Jesus. And John is constantly turning, looking around, going, where is the center? I want to see, where is Jesus? In all of this mist, and all of this confusion, and all of this chaos, and there are, there's all kinds of overlap and chaos in the book of the Revelation. It's, 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 it's over and over, and things doubled up and reinterpreted and bounced around. But through it all, John is turning, 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 so that he can keep his focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is in the middle of the storm. And the encouragement for the church could not be clearer when John writes this down. You're in the storm, but Jesus is in the middle of the storm. He's not on the outside going, come on, come on, come through the storm. Come to me, come to me, come through the storm. He's not on the end of a lifeline trying to pull you in. Hey, I'm safe, you're out there, I'm pulling you in. He's in the middle of the storm. He's in the middle of the candlesticks. He's in the middle of the stars. There's all kinds of other descriptions that come over in Revelation. He's in the middle of of tribulation. He's in the middle of the wrath of God. He's in the middle of all these different things that come on. But the most important idea you can grasp right there in the Revelation is Jesus is right there in the middle. Good, bad, or indifferent. Good, bad, or ugly. There are two good churches. There are two bad churches. There are three mediocre churches in the Revelation. Two plus two is three is seven. All right, um, that's why I don't have a degree in math. Uh, but there, there are two good churches, two bad churches, three, three mediocre churches. They're just, they're okay. And, and, and our mentality, our thinking about churches and families and people is often to say, well, Jesus doesn't want anything to do with them because they don't meet our criteria. They're not good churches, they're bad churches. Or they're not even good churches, they're mediocre churches. They're okay. Uh, but Jesus, I mean, he might pop in one Sunday a month, but he, you know, he's not there all the time. But he's all the time with us, right? Because we're the good churches. No. 
You know what John says? Good, bad, or ugly, Jesus is in our midst. Guys, those of you who have gone through difficulty with a congregation, with a church that has fallen apart, and every Sunday you kind of wondered what was going to happen next and whether it was going to be good or bad, you know what? Jesus was still there in your midst. And you know, you know, husbands and wives, you know that moment when your marriage just seemed like it was so on the rocks that there was absolutely no way that anyone could ever fix it? Or you had screwed up so big that there was no possible way that there could be any healing or any recovery. It was over and it was done. Jesus was there in the midst. And so often we look for Jesus on the periphery. We look for Him on the outside. We look for Him to come in. Jesus, come on, come in. And He's already here in the middle of the storm. He's already here. And this tells us how to read the, read the book of the Revelation. And I've already tipped it in, but this is the big idea. If you want to know how to read the Revelation, read the Revelation as Jesus at the center of the firestorm. Any of my young Bible scholars any of you guys that went through vacation Bible school this year, can you think of some situation in which Jesus showed up in the middle of a fire for His people? Anyone? Not even Ariel? Come on! Jesus showed up in the middle of a fire. You guys don't know which one Jesus showed up in the middle of a fire. Naomi? What? Um? Ariel knows. I know Ariel knows. Daniel, do you know? Come on, Daniel. Ariel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three Hebrew children are thrown into a, 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 a furnace, a fire. Nebuchadnezzar, he heats the furnace seven times hotter. It's so hot that the people who carry Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace die from heat, from the heat. And then he looks in the furnace and there's another person. And he says, I don't know who that is, but it looks like the Son of God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out. And guess what? John is using that image. He will use that image over and over and over again. The Son of Man, the Son of God, is in the midst of the firestorm with us. And this book is meant to be encouragement. It's meant to be strength. It's meant to be a, an uplifting and a hope for the church that whether we are good, bad, or ugly, Jesus is in our midst. And I don't know whether today, this morning, you're here and you're saying, um, I'm in a difficult situation and I, I, I just feel like Jesus isn't there. I just feel like God isn't there. I just feel like I'm all alone in this. He's in the midst of His people. He's in the midst of His church. And maybe you're one of those people that everything seems to be going well for you while everybody else is having a terrible time and there's a temptation for you to go, wow, God must be blessing me. It's extraordinary. Isn't it amazing? I have all of these blessings. I, I, it's so good that I'm not that other person who might be going through the difficulty. And guess what? You have an opportunity to be in the midst of their suffering the messenger of Jesus, the messenger of grace. He's placed you there so people will know that He is in the midst. 
He's blessed you so that you can be in the midst of those who are not, that have not received blessing and tell them and give them courage and give them strength and give them conviction of the Scriptures. You are there in the midst of the troubles and tribulations. And if you are one of the, the good, then praise God. It won't last forever. But in the meantime, be a blessing to others who are in the midst. Because Jesus is in the midst. Jesus is in their midst. Jesus says to them, and I'm going to close with His words, in verse 17 and 18, He says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And behold, I hold the keys of death and hell. And I am in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it with you. You're so intimidated by the storm. It's so frightening. It's so scary. And what Leo said, it's you rely on the Lord and you hope you have enough knowledge. You hope to get through. But you know what? Jesus is in the midst. He's in the midst of the storm. Let's pray. Father, we as a church, we have... Um, We've had a pretty incredible year. You have done some amazing things. Uh, you have provided and you have brought people into our into our assembly and united them with us. And um, Lord, you have done just things we would have never uh, expected. And it's very easy to get into comparison mode and say, "Oh, you must be more present now than you were when we faced difficulty and struggle." But the reality is you're the same. The life you offer is the same and you're in our midst and you've given us an opportunity to be a blessing to others and for others to be blessings to us. And Father, I don't know if right now in this, in this room there are families that are struggling. Well, I do know that. All families struggle. Struggling with sickness. Struggling with finances. Struggling with pressure or stress struggling with their identity, struggling with relationships, struggling with communication, struggling with kids, struggling with parents. I, I, there's all kinds of things. Help us to know Your presence in the midst of the storm. And when You call to us that we turn and we see You. And we know that we are not alone. That You would never abandon us. You would never leave us. That we, even when we don't know You are there, You are present and Your grace is sufficient for us. Father, thank You for Your grace. We give glory to You and we give praise and thanks to You this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to invite you to just sing uh, Give Thanks with me. If you'd stand with me and we'll just sing uh, this, this verse. It's very simple. You may not have it right in front of you. It's okay. Let's just sing. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given. Jesus Christ His Son again. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given. 
Jesus Christ, His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us, give thanks. Amen.